This is RAF with Tony Tone and LA. Yo, what's up? It's your boy LA, aka the Love Ambassador. Coming to you straight, live and direct from the Jungle Studios. Woo-hoo! And now, the moment that you've all been waiting for. Because it's been a week and you're thirsty like a thirst trap. The one, the only, Mr. Dilly. What's up, man? Buenos dias, amigo. How's it going? Hey, uh, how you going, buddy? Good, good, good. 2024. Good, and, uh... Yeah, for the people hearing your croaky voice, you've done a little bit of late night gaming. You haven't been on an absolute bender. Um, so yeah, yes. you know, I've, uh, yeah. What, what time were you up to last night? Four AM. Yeah, roughly. Yeah, about yeah, that. Decent sesh. Decent sesh, mate. I'm I'm usually tapping out on the old Call of Duty at about two thirty these days. So yeah, uh, yeah four AM. It probably goes quick though. Yeah, it goes. It goes quick. It's that, like, after midnight, you're, like, still gaming and, like, really into it. And then next thing you know, you're like, oh, wow, two hours just passed. Unbelievable. Yeah. I have a feeling, I don't know if this is just me, but I feel that when you stay up really late on Friday night or especially Saturday night, your weekend feels really short. And I don't know why, but to me, it always feels like it just, it really, like, you didn't even have it. Like, before you know it. You wake up on Sunday and you're like, oh, okay, I, I don't know. That's like, so I, interesting because I go the opposite uh, direction. Like, if mm. I'm up, let's say Friday night, I game to let's say two, three a.m. Saturday morning, then I'm yeah. just like, yeah, the weekend goes forever. Anyway, oh, we've decided yeah. to apply a little bit of structure because, as shocking as it may seem to the listener, that we usually completely <laughs> and utterly wing it, and we don't even <laughs> we don't even discuss topics. We've decided in 2024 to become, I guess you can say, somewhat more professional. Um, we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. So we've decided to take a topic each, discuss it, and then um, and then a mutual topic just uh, to roll the dice. So I've nominated the old uh, Taiwan China this week to have a discussion on. So they've just had their election. Uh, the Democratic Progressive Party has maintained victory. Uh, I'm going to absolutely butcher this pronunciation with apologies to my uh, Taiwanese and Chinese listeners. Lai Ching Tai has won. Um, and then the old KMT second with Ko NJ uh, third. So, so the current government's basically held power, but they need to, um, it's uh, not full majority in the House. So they've got to have a little bit of, the president's the president in charge, but the actual party needs to have some form of coalition, um, which I think, looking at the figures with the KMT, they should be able to do it. Uh, I was also reading uh, in one of the local uh, papers, just in some sort of stats, um, Key's message is not resonating with Tyler and his voters. Less than 2% support unification as soon as possible, and a fraction of those back Key's vision, China's dominance. That compares to one in five who want the island to move towards formal independence and more than 30% who want to maintain the status quo, according to monthly surveys tracked by the National Ching Chi University. 
1996, the number who wanted Taiwan to move towards unification reached as high as 19.5%. Uh, as this is recorded, and I live in China, President Xi, you're doing a great job. Long live the CCP. But uh, according to these stats, obviously from Taiwan, for the people that don't want to unify, they put a little bit more on President Xi. I think it's important for the the listeners, and it will formulate, I guess, my opinion as well, uh, maybe somewhat, I guess, controversial because of a, a militarily involvement, which is the, the concern, that basically uh, China had a civil war with Chiang Kai-shek and the uh, Communist Party. Communist Party ends up winning. Uh, Chiang Kai-shek literally takes all the gold, <laughs> all the gold from China, flees across to Taiwan, uh, and then calls America up and says, look, you know, you guys have given me a bit of military weapons. We need you to to block the straits off. And and that's how the current Taiwan system was was set up. Uh, a side history note for people uh, that are listening in, you talk about like Pacific Islands and even as far as Madagascar. So if you look at like Vanuatu, eventually all the way out to Fiji and whatnot, they actually uh, come from Taiwan. So they're actually ethnic to that area. And then through the canoe and sailing, they actually went uh, through the Pacific Islands, up to Eastern Island, Honolulu, and and so forth. Um, now, the question and why I raised the topic was we were talking about military, right? So there's always in the news about, all oh, China's going to invade them and whatnot. And the reason why I chose it is I read a very interesting article on the Chinese military because... Sitting in Australia, you think, holy moly, guacamoles, they're just, there'd be no contest. We would literally be like with our Indigenous brothers, like Maji, show me how to cut down a tree and make a couple of spears because our army's got nothing and maybe a couple of pea shooters and, you know, King David slingshots or something like that. Um, but there was an interesting article on the tactics, right? Oh, and I think it was in The Economist. So first and foremost, uh, China... China historically has never really an, inv an invader per se. They don't really invade countries. If you look throughout the history, they're usually invaded or they're domestically fighting. So the history of China is usually a lot of the southern provinces and central fighting or the north. And even still, still to this day, when you go and do business there, like it's still very provincial. But since the Chinese communists took over, they've fought they fought two wars, one being Korea uh, and one which was almost a skirmish in 1979 against the Vietnamese. They lost, I think, to the Vietnamese, or at best it was a draw, and Korea was essentially a draw as well. But their tactics had changed. So initially under Mao, it used to be like, just throw millions of people at it and eventually, like, eventually will overrun them. I guess probably similar to Russia tactics. We're just like millions and millions and millions and whatever. And eventually you'll flood the flood the the defenses and take it over. Then it changed to being essentially like uh, a warlord. So each general in the Chinese People's Liberation Army had um had their own little sort of fight them, so to speak. Then President Xi, to his credit, because his father is a famous military general, came and said, well, look, we can't just, we're, we're a modern superpower. We can't just have millions of people running and whatnot. 
So he tried to he tried to base it on the Russian system, right? Being mm. like bigger, bigger, I guess bigger battalions and whatnot. But basically, the Russian system uh, that's in place in the Ukraine war was seen just doesn't work at all. And so now they've got to restructure the army again to do it along uh, Western style, Western style military, meaning that they have to. The, the difference between, like, an Australian military, I mean, I don't know if it's still the same, but it used to be, mm-hmm. or American, is that if you're a soldier or a low-commanding officer, you can make decisions in the field. So, you know, like, Mr. Philly, you and I could be, like, under attack in some building and we can call in artillery or we can go, let's attack that point, and you'd be like, no, I don't think we should attack that point for X, Y, Z. So it's small groups of infantry that have, very highly versatile and now they're saying that they have to they have to try and go more into that that way of things and mm-hmm. then i was talking to a military friend of mine as well who served in iraq and he was explaining that there's also difference between uh naval naval attacks naval fighting land you know uh like if you look at sort of like gaza like house to house fighting and urban fighting and everything like that and it requires different tactics on top of that as well. Yeah. So, so the actual the actual attack of Taiwan, which I thought was, I knew that they didn't have enough navy capacity until just recently to physically like go over even a small stretch logistically. Um, but now they have that they have that naval, and then also uh, invading Taiwan, it. Ha- actually does come down to America because it has to do with strangling the population for food and resources because if America's navy is strong enough to at least, let's say, like the back of the island, not on the China side, but the back where there's Americans can still supply weapons and food and everything like that in some sort of corridor, then mm-hmm. Taiwan, I was reading the tactics, Taiwan, because it's quite mountainous as well, can hold on for quite a long time. So if they they can they can have this massive launch of like missiles and they can they can have their like sea mines and fight in sort of the lowlands, but they can hold the mountainous regions up and it'd be kind of a an Afghanistan for China. Yeah. So once I kind of really read into it, I was like, look, I'm sure people that know more about military will disagree with, me, but I don't think that it's as easy as people think. I really don't like it's it's not. Then on top of that, because China's never fought a war, the soldiers and the machinery haven't been tested. So the actual soldiers have not fought in fought in wars. At, so they haven't had that whole like bullets flying, PTSD and you know, everything like that. Um, so they're yet to be tested. Maybe they're incredible soldiers. Maybe maybe Chinese soldiers are the best in the world, but no one knows because they've never fought. Um, and then so the next thing would be finally in the topic for me mm-hmm. is that maybe it serves Taiwan to stay Taiwan as a separate thing because no matter what you think about the CCP, the one thing that you have to hand to them, it's the first time in Chinese history that they've actually held the full China together with like of course, there's little bits of dissent, I'm sure, and and you can look obviously at the, you know, the the, the what's the, the 
Uyghurs or whatever the Uyghurs or whatever they called the persecuted. Yeah. But as in terms of ethnic China, in terms of ethnic China, China to bed in China, they've really held it together for the longest period because traditionally, like internally, they're always fighting. So part of me thinks that they actually won't invade, and they'll just keep it there as the as kind of the bogeyman. We have to be unified because one day we're going to attack Taiwan. Yeah. Uh, and it's comes back to this like Orwellian 1984, you know, how you're always, they're always at war with someone, you know, and like the, the, the people that they're at war with in this foreign land kind of changes to keep the population united, so to speak. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on it, on, on the whole Taiwan China issue. Hmm. Okay. Over to you, good sir, for your thoughts and uh, your topic. Uh, on on Taiwan, I think, I mean, it's nice that they won the election, but I don't know. I'm not sure how long. I don't know. I'm a bit 50-50 on whether Taiwan will stay independent or not, or if it'll turn into like a Hong Kong situation where Taiwan's like, independent in quotations but sort of under china because at this stage it's like yes they won with 40 percent of the vote right but the two people who are also running are more say friendly to china so if one of them dropped out they would have beaten the party in charge because they i think yeah. together got more than half the votes and then because they all last election four years ago, I was reading that actually the party in charge won 50% of the vote. So they lost 10% this time. They did go down, yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's not a little bit. That's quite significant, 10%. I mean, you're quite close to the second place guy. And when the third place guy, I was also polling around, you know, tw almost a third, you know, 20 something percent. Not exactly a third, but more than a quarter, I think. Um like I said, when we spoke about this before, when you look at the candidates, only one was, we definitely want to be independent. Like we wanted, like one was very staunch, like we're going to be independent and we're going to reaffirm that independence. And, you know, if China's not happy with that, that's their problem. And then the next three, because I think one dropped out, one was like super pro-China and the other two were like, nah, we could be friends kind of thing. So if I was China, I would kind of say, like just because of all even all the difficulties you mentioned, there's no reason for you to do anything because actually, if things continue, like let's say the status quo kind of stayed, um, China could probably find ways within the next four years to continue pushing things into their favor. And the other big issue that I think, if you are, you know, and I could be wrong, but if you're Taiwanese or you're the Taiwan government, the only reason I would say that anybody even cares at this stage. Like really speaking, like if you were to say like why does why does a government in Europe care about Taiwan? And there's never anything where it's oh I care because it's you know it's the right thing to do. These are politicians, right? They never care about the right thing to do, especially the global, the global political elite. Like they're not there thinking like oh we got it we got to do it, guys. It's just the right thing to do. They're only doing it because all of the the manufacturing for the high-end semiconductors are in Taiwan and they're moving all of that out of Taiwan. They're trying to move it all into, the, I mean, the U.S. is bringing a lot of that manufacturing back 
Yeah, they had a huge thing, didn't they? Huge amount of money they spent to like bring it back. Not, not even spent. They're almost forcing TSMC to invest in these projects to get the factories out of Taiwan. Europe as well. That that the Dutch company that does the microchips, the the super high end ones. It's not Philips. It's something else. Um, or is that is that that no, company no, name that you mentioned? No, they make the, the uh, if I'm not wrong, there's a company in Europe that makes machinery to say make the ah oh, yeah that's the, the wafers Dutch. to do it yeah so yeah that's the Dutch so they're trying to expand it in Europe as well yes but TSMC in terms of the factories and the manufacturing is pretty much being told to pony up cash to build factories in China factories in US. I don't know how much they're helping in Korea, but the, like that's the like the three main places is they want to move the manufacturing to places that they know for sure have you know no Chinese. So like Japan and China is very a long shot for them to get along. Same as South Korea, and obviously the U.S. is the U.S. So once if you're Taiwan, once you lose your sort of monopoly on this very strategic business because you need all these computer chips for the high-end military gear high-end computers right these aren't like the junky ones you would you would get in uh like a toy in the store or something so once they lose that and then they no longer have that to offer and all of their expertise and such has sort of been moved out what's you know like why Like, again, you could always, I agree with your argument, it could be kept as a boogeyman kind of thing. But I think the bigger issue will be, after a certain point, it's going to be kind of like, I think they'll know that all the support they're getting is just words after a certain point. Um, sort of like what happened in Ukraine. Like, that's what they'll be, except they're not going to probably last as long if it came to that. Like, yeah, we'll maybe send you some money and weapons because... Again, not because we're nice, but because it helps our own politicians line their pockets and the military industrial complex, they'll be more than happy to send you stuff. But to actually get involved, I think once everything is sort of moved out, I don't know if that would actually happen. I, I, I think, and I don't think it ever would need to happen. So I feel if the Taiwanese people sort of see that shift, maybe you'll see more... pro-friendly China candidates start taking over in the next election. I don't know, because like you said, they lost the majority in the legislator, legislature. So in the next four years, who knows? I mean, if it's, if it's only 1v1 and they say Taiwan doesn't improve their, the current party doesn't improve their polling and their standing, I think it would be easy to sneak in somebody who's saying I'm going to, you know, fix the internal problems in Taiwan, because I think they're also having the same issues as everybody else in terms of housing and inflation. Um, so you'll have some guys saying, I'll fix all these things if they're not fixed. But in the side, he'll also be, you know, more friendly to, to China. I, 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 at this stage, I don't, I don't think China's stupid enough to try anything too extreme. They'll keep saying, it's like what President The Xi only said, thing I can say that will push it is because if their economy is is in many places stuttering, and if and and there's an unwritten rule in China that as long as the government gives you like I forgot what it is, food, housing, and like safety slash money to money to live, people won't rebel. But as soon as that's broken the social contract, then it's on for young and old. And I think that's that's that could be the the kicker that the economy just doesn't recover like people think. Um, 
and the middle class now because the middle class is used to their their money and affluence and capitalism. Um, that might be the push. Uh, anyway, uh, bro. So so we've run out of time with the back end. Um, what's uh, what's your topic, matey? Ah, uh, so mine was more of a shower thought kind of thing, and I was I was thinking that if we really think about it, we would do well, we would do much better as a, you know, you could say your individual civilization or as a group, I'm speaking from an America perspective to be, so I guess more like Anglo culture, we would be better off either, I shouldn't say completely eliminating professional sports, but reducing the exposure people have to it and making it more limited. And then I was really thinking about all the benefits that you could get with that. So if you kind of, you know, sit down and, you know, I see it here, you see it in Europe, you see it in the U.S. Uh, Aussie, I'm sure, is the same, too. But, I mean, you have some people who their whole life is revolving around a sports team. And Melbourne they just with AFL football, yeah. Absolutely. And they just follow the season, they follow the players. The players make I, I don't know how much you make in AFL football, but okay, in U.S., professional sports players make a Probably shit ton make, of money. Well, Good, good. Uh, look, I don't know exact figures, but we have a price cap. But a good player would earn, I don't know, maybe a million bucks, and then a, a, okay, so, a, a kind of decent player would earn a couple hundred grand per year. Nowhere right. near like America yeah. or Premier League, but it's a lot of money for us. That's what I'm saying. That's where I'm coming from. Is that is that perspective? So, okay, you can argue that players are overpaid, overpaid, which I think they. Oh. I really are overpaid. But my bigger issue is the fact that I think sports have become so they've permeated society so much that it's it's a distraction to a negative for everybody because you have whole like a very big group of, say, voting age adults who don't care what's happening in their life, really, because all they care about is. Do I have a house and can I watch sports and can I eat? And that's it really. Like it's so, I don't know. It's depressing because it, you're distracted to such a big degree that the people who are doing the distracting or are happy that you're distracted can sort of do whatever they want. Like like, there's people who just watch football every game know all the players, know who's getting traded, know the stats, know the spreads. They like to gamble on it. And then football season's over, and then they start watching the next season and the next season. And their whole life is just sports. And then when they meet up with people, all they do is talk about sports. It's like, it's okay to have it in moderation, but it's been pushed so hard now that I think it's in a, it's done in a disingenuous and a malicious way. And I'm not saying it's not good to have, like the Olympics and all these other things is fine. It comes around here and there. Maybe have a couple what sporting events. What would your answer events. be then? Are you saying, to clarify for the listener, are you saying there to be no sports or are you saying there to be amateur sports or or, or what? what's... I think you're saying that you don't want professional sports. So then what are you saying? There's just amateur sport? I think it should just be amateur, actually. I think professional sports should go. Because I don't know, I don't know if there's a healthy middle ground. Because I think it'll always just take over like it's already taken over. I, I really don't see any benefit. The benefit people will say is, oh, it keeps people entertained, and you know, like I don't know. To me, it's like a, it's like an opioid. Like your own life has nothing going on. You're not doing anything to make it better. 
um, you're not being, you're not watching what's happening in the world because you're more concerned about if the Eagles are going to make the the Eagles Super Bowl. win. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I, I don't think there's anything but, wrong with liking a sport. but if there was amateur, would it not still be the same problem that you're talking about? Because people would still be watching like Mossman Park Football Club or I don't know, uh, uh, the New Jersey like rug rugby or NFL team or whatever it is. You know, people would still be watching on television. Like Because I said, they I think used it's... to, for example, for example, if you if you use AFL as an example, right? It's only the last couple of years. Let's say I don't know. Argument's sake. In fact, I can figure it out for you. So, argument's sake, maybe fifteen years that they started to make a lot of money. Before that, they there was like one or two that were earning like a lot of money by our standards, but the rest were still holding down jobs. So, for example, um. 20 years ago, uh, my sister's teacher school was playing for one of the main football clubs, and he was in the first team. Like, he was in the first team, he was training, he was playing on the weekends. I still remember um, when when I was working at Vic Market with my mama, we were tuning in, and he was just having this absolute stormer of a game, and we were super excited and everything Yeah. like that. But it... it And and then before that, if you go back to I don't know, let's say the eighties, in the eighties it was like properly like seventies eighties was amateur, but it, you're still getting a hundred thousand people per game to watch to watch amateurs essentially play. Uh, at the time, it was the Victoria Football Hmm. League. So I think that that it's an interesting thing that you raise. But even if you got rid of the professionalism, quote unquote, people would still watch it. All right, no amateurs. How about that? None. But then, The but the then only you sports, so then you're saying no sport. no, you have sport, local high school, college, you have that. But that's my I, point. Like if you look at college football, people are people are still watching college football. College football in America. So as as someone that's not American, the one thing that strikes you the most as a tourist is how into college sports you are. I remember I was I went to Madison Square Garden. And it was Michigan State versus someone else. And I went because the next day I was going to go see the Knicks. And at, at the time, it was like I was in the nosebleed section because the prices were so expensive, right? Mm. Mm So I wanted to get, because it was like 20 US dollars or 30 US, whatever it was, it was like cheap. It wasn't, it wasn't much money, but you could get like really like the equivalent of like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for the Knicks you'd have to spend, right? Sure, sure. So because it was because it was around the corner from where I was staying in New York, I thought of oh, the experience, I'll just I'll just go just to see what the seat's like, right? And I'll never forget how passionate people were over over even college sports. Yeah, Like there's they are, they one are. bloke who was going for Michigan was having an absolute hissy fit because like some dude missed the layup. And I just remember looking at him and I'm like, bro, like you're sitting next to the most your girlfriend's like some model. How can you be upset with your life? <laughs> like you're going over to that little cookie, you know, and he's like, Man, I can't believe that they missed that layup. <laughs> so I think I get where you're coming from. Maybe there's some sort of happy happy middle ground. You know what I mean? There, Maybe there's there's an agreement that it's gonna be one one game a week on Saturday as a 
opposed to every single every single night or well, I, I definitely would... think I definitely think that it has to that the money is sickening. I mean, especially Premier League. I mean, Premier League now is just oh, it's just it's gross. I mean, me and my old man we 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 call it soccer in Australia and, and uh, in America, but football is everywhere else, and it's just sickening how much these guys are getting paid. Getting paid, and most of the times they're not even good. But that's that's sometimes you see them, you're like, oh yeah, that was a good move. But most of the times I'm watching it, I'm like, yeah. But this now we're but now we're talking we're talking pros again, right? And I already said let's not talk about the pay because the pay is ridiculous in almost every pro sport for the most part. Like that, I'm I'm pushing. I want to push that aside, right? Because that's a separate argument of are they getting paid too much. The only reason I say local high school is fine because that builds more of a community from where you're from, community right? You go, yeah. All right so then yeah. community sports is okay. College, community sports. College I would allow if the money that they were making on college sports was actually being given back to help college be cheaper and that was proven. But they don't Ooh, do that. Man, that's a good idea. So if they a, do, I'd, I'd sign up for that. Yeah, so if let's they say East Green gives ESPNs yeah. gives a million bucks for the rights to show it, but then it goes back as a subsidy so people get cheaper education. No, but even the money that because the college football they make a shit ton of money because it's televised and they get ad revenue and all these other things, and that money goes to the school. But then the schools are always raising tuition, and they kind of blame inflation. But it's kind of like, well, how does it? It doesn't make any sense that you know you're teaching the same courses with the same teachers, they're staying in the same dormitories. They're paying housing costs. They're paying all these things, but yet you're making millions and millions and millions of dollars on your college football team. Some of the schools are. How come you're not taking that money and making it easier for people to attend school if they were using it for that, or they put out say a, or they put out where all the money's going specifically? Like this college would say, look, we made we made this much off college football from ad revenue, blah, 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 listen all out and say, this is where this money went. This went to build a new science thing. This went for scholarships. This went to reduce tuition for every student by, you know, $2,000. Like if it did that, I'd be fine because then it's like, you know, they're always, all these colleges love to ask for donations from fucking alumni, right? All the time. Oh, money, money, money. We need money, 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 money. Well, okay. I also agree with the fact that, that sports, that people get so into sports that they're no longer... They're no longer really questioning about what's going on and how the society is yeah. run, and because they don't have a vested interest in it, they it, it comes to the polling booths because they're more interested in what the Eagles are doing or what Melbourne Football Club is doing, and they don't hold the politicians accountable. And then in turn, the society becomes a, a, a mess because they just do whatever. But yeah. then it's a vicious cycle because then yeah. it's like, oh well, the society shit. I need to escape this. Uh, I need to watch my sports so I don't have to worry about the stress of the high living costs and everything else. Instead of turning around and saying, hey, I'm sick, it's these pricks, these pricks' policies which is causing all these hassles. I need to rock up to the Parliament House with my placards and start protesting. Yeah. Again, 1984, George Orwell, brother. What yeah. was the distraction? The sports. And they gambling. Sports to distract the masses. Yeah. You but know, it's, so it's, it's true. It is. I think just seeing how people are when they're so into sports, you can tell like they just they just do not care about anything but else. I think what it is, I think I have this uh, this uh, uh, discussion. I guess you could say, I think that the majority of people, and for argument's sake, we're calling working class. Their lives are 
the Lions are at mediocre at best. Mm. Like literally, they just they just go through the motions. They go through school. They have a bit of fun. They have a period of their early twenties where they get drunk and they backpack around somewhere from the west, or they go if they, if they can't, they've got their favorite bars and whatever. Then eventually, society dictates that they settle down. It doesn't matter if they're straight, hetero, straight, you know, gay or whatever the rainbow they want to be. The like society dictates you got to have a partner and settle. Then the majority of people will have kids if they're a heterosexual couple. Off the gay, they just adopt kids, right? And then it's like running the family. Young kids are very difficult. And so what ends up happening is, you know, like in my line of work, you talk to a lot of people, that most of them are dads, and they're just like raising the kids and paying the bills and working so hard. All I want is to sit on the couch for a minute. And, and strangely enough, what it is, the sports – is it for, for many blokes, is the only excuse they have for silence. That's kind of what it comes down to. It's, I'm thinking mm. out aloud now, but it's only like, oh, my missus leaves me alone to watch the football for a couple of hours. That's like my time, you know? And I think and I think that the bigger question that you raise with sports is that they're not vested in the community and the benefit of the society and, and maybe the bigger question out of all of this, if we're going to go to the shower time thinking, is what should people really be doing to benefit the society for the better? And what should be people be doing to challenge the society to make it better for them? And sports with a distraction, whilst it's a good thing, is actually stopping them from, from making their lives easier because they're not holding anyone accountable. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a tough one, but it's just something. It's a very that interesting I, I, topic, though. It's yeah, a very interesting thought process. It'll never take off because <laughs> there's so many people who love sports. <laughs> so it'll never oh, work. Mate, because because like I said, sports for most people that's their life because they don't have anything else. But that's sad, right? Like that. That's why it would be better to but not. The majority that's why I think it's better life, to not think have. That it. it is sad. But that that's that is their own doing. I would think, especially if you say like middle class or a slightly lower middle class, like there's so many hobbies and things. Like if you love sports so much, go play sport. At least you'll be healthy. Or be involved in the sport club. Yeah, yeah, it's better than, you know, sitting on the couch and drinking whatever it is, beer or soda or, you know, because usually when you're watching I've got sports, a mate of mine I work water. with, and that's what he does. He's, he's part of the local footy club, and that's his, yeah, that's, his time but, off is he goes down and he volunteers and he helps coach and he helps, like, you know. Yeah, that's so fine. Hot dogs and part of the yeah. community. I think that's a fantastic thing. Exactly. That's what people should have been doing. Or, or do something that stimulates you mentally. Don't do something where you can like uh, completely zone out and stare at a screen and, and you know, watch people. Um, and then, okay, like you said, they get paid too much. And then I think the other issue is they become role models for younger people. And it's like, what kind of role model Oh, is... and then they start ramming down their politics down your throat. It's like, <laughs> mate, you kick a ball... It's like at the head of our cricket team, coming. Mm. Like there's a climate change woke warrior. And <laughs> it's like, mate, you throw a cricket ball at a wicket. You're very good at it. You're actually probably a decent captain. We like you as a captain. Play cricket, mate. You are not in any way, shape or form there to dictate environmental policies. He lost sponsorship. There was some sponsorship that like stopped mm. sponsoring the cricket of Australia because they were like, no, nah, this guy's just being an absolute dick. Yeah. So 
or they get bought you know? and they know that like this whole like the one big one was this uh we're only a little bit less time left so this is the last one the jason kelsey or whatever the hell his name is the guy who's dating taylor swift he got a a Oh, yeah. a deal with Pfizer where they paid, I can't remember how much they paid him, but they pretty much paid him more than all of his sponsorships put together. That's how much money they threw at this guy. Then he went out there and at the time, the good talking point was, oh, you can get your flu shot and your COVID sh